Welcome to the Inside Golden State Politics podcast. I'm Bill Boyarski. Uh, I used to be city editor at the Los Angeles Times, and before that I covered politics uh, in California and around the nation, and in L.A. for since 1960. And this is my colleague, Sherry Jeffy. Hi there, everybody. Yeah, Bill, I come with not the resume that you come with, but I've been for a good part of my life having one foot in academia and one foot in the media uh, studying California and American government and politics, trying to keep my head level and figure out what's happening from both sides of the mirror. Well, Sherry, this has been quite a time in uh, politics. Oh, my. And, um, of course, I, like everybody else, um, have been fascinated by the story of Elizabeth Warren. Yeah. Uh, so bright, so headed up, and then headed down. And um, as I watched her uh, go up and then uh, go down, um, I was struck by two things. One, you know, she's every bit as good as the guys who are running. And two, um, and the there other was a, she was, she was a, a victim of sexism. And I think the fact that she was a woman really hurt her. Well, I, I agree that there is, in American politics, there has been, there will be a degree of sexism, a degree of racism, if you will, a degree of hostility against the other. But I just can't bring myself to say that the only reason that Elizabeth Warren didn't make it to the finish line was that she is a woman. It may well have been harder. It has been harder, but it's not been impossible for women to be successful. I noticed that, uh, I guess, earlier last year, she, for about a minute and a half, was the front runner. And then all of a sudden, she was not. And that coordinated with her backing away from her statement that uh, she would give Medicare for all and give it almost immediately. Then she said, never mind, I'll do it in my third year. Whether or not the reaction was sexist or anger or political, that's when her numbers started dropping. Well, I never could. I, I think you're right about her numbers dropping. I never could understand why, because uh, as she explained her plan, she was talking about it would take her three years to implement it. And Bernie Sanders was saying it would take him four years. But that's not the point. What are these people? It's consistency. People well, it's, wanted I consistency. She backed off. Maybe, maybe there was a stereotypic incident there. Oh, my, there is this lady-headed woman. I don't know. But I have to say that I cannot simply say that this whole thing, that she's no longer a, a, in the race, that there is no woman in the race any longer, is flat out only a sexist right. dynamic. What about, what about uh, the night at the debate when she beat up on uh, Bloomberg? Way okay. to go, girl. All right. Okay. You know, I'm watching this. And first, my first thought is, ah, maybe she's being too, uh, uh, you know, uh, one way, uh, too hard on the guy. 
And then I started thinking, why am I saying that? You know, if she were a guy, all the political writers would be praising her for her brilliant attack. Uh, but that wasn't really, uh, I think, I, I, the bottom I don't know line if there that. was glaring criticism. They certainly paid attention to it. And I think had it been a, a, a man, it would have paid attention to it. But it, it's not the way women are perceived to behave. But again, a campaign consists of the perceptions of the candidate, the perceptions of the voters, how good the campaign is, how much money there is, how articulate the candidate is, who the opponents are. There are very many other things involved in making a successful candidate and or taking a candidate down. What about the fall of, uh, of Amy Klutcherbar? Klobuchar, Bill. <laughs> well, she never got the money. Nobody knew her. She's from the flyover, excuse me. That's all a part of it, too. That was one of her strengths, though. Politically, in the sense of balancing, but that's it. You know, the fact that uh, she was a senator, uh, is a senator from Minnesota, and never been defeated in the state, uh, uh, could help make her uh, vice presidential candidate if uh, Joe Biden gets the nomination. I think it's quite possible. Um, it's not only that. I mean, she did acquit herself very well in the debates. But in today's complex political environment, can you? I know that the Democratic Party cannot or should not, maybe, nominate two white males for the tickets. They need to nominate a woman. They need to nominate a person of color. And you know who, you know who else they need to nominate? Who? Somebody who's not ancient. You know, uh, talking about sexism in, uh, in uh, politics and in journalism, uh, we ought to note the uh, retirement, so-called, of uh, Chris, <laughs> Chris Matthews, the longtime star of uh, hard, Hardball and um, a fixture and a very popular host on MSNBC. And why should we uh, get involved well, in this discussion? You know, well, you know, because I guess because watching him, watching those two minutes when he quit. Yes. That was a memorable bit of, of television. It was quite surprising, yes. It, it, it was, uh, I mean, you know, you're turning it on half asleep and uh, watching hardball, and then all of a sudden the guy quits. Well, it, as I thought about it over the days, first thing I thought, there goes one the last of the boys on the bus. Absolutely. The, and what are the boys on the, the bus? Boys, the boys on the bus were reporters sort of of my generation um, in the 70s and, and 80s and when political reporters were, for the overwhelming most part, um, older uh, uh, white male guys who, um, you know, who saw things the same way. They saw candidates kind of in the same way. Um, they, uh, it they, used to be called right, packed journalism. Packed journalism, as the old song uh, goes, they smoke, they 
they drank, they smoked, they told dirty jokes. It was a whole culture. A very different culture. A very different culture, and uh, one that would not be acceptable today. And I thought Matthews was very uh, representative of it, and and his conduct with uh, with the guest, where he complimented her appearance in sort of an overblown way and talked about her makeup, was sort of back to another, an era that uh, would not be acceptable today, nor should it be. And so, so there he went, a victim of his times. Yes, and also a victim of his mouth. It wasn't only sexist remarks, it was crazy remarks, if you will, uh, comparing uh, the burning. The problem then was there was a certain sealed off atmosphere. You just didn't understand or get the dynamic of the real world. It's sort of a bell jar of the bus, if you will. Oh, I think that's, you know, I think that's absolutely right. Uh, um, um, when I got off the bus uh, in the uh, very late 70s and uh, returned to Los Angeles as a local political reporter, um, I felt sad that I was missing a life of adventure. <laughs> But on the other hand, I felt really challenged. And I, I was covering school uh, desegregation at that time. And I thought having to go uh, to a room full of hostile parents or having to ride a school bus with little kids being bused a long distance, I said, now that's really re tough reporting. And, and I admired myself more for doing that. How many women were reporting on school desegregation. Very few, very few. Women, uh, women uh, at the times were uh, um, a maligned uh, class, I would say. Even and within the profession? Even within the profession. And I could, we don't have time for it, but I could tell you stories. And um, uh, when I became city, I saw, I saw the way women were denied good assignments when I was a columnist working in the newsroom. And uh, when I became city editor, I saw that that had been going on, and I tried in, in, my, in my way to, uh, to, to remedy that. I thought it was a... And, it, and over the years, through efforts of people more influential than me, more and more women moved into positions of power, which was very important, made the assignments. It's important in any profession. Made the promotions. And so I would say if you go in the LA Times newsroom today, it's far different place than it was in my day. I agree. I mean, I sort of watched it yeah. from my cradle, as it were, and uh, it has changed, I think, to a fairly good degree. And part of it has to do with, I don't want to call it the professionalization of journalism, but the the obstacles, the guidelines, what you have to do now to become a, a reporter and a reporter with responsibility and power is far greater than what you had to do then. Um, some kind of academic training, and usually above the bachelor's degree, is now required. And in that training, you're going to see as many women as you're going to see men. And that, even then, makes a difference. Well, I think that's right. You know, uh, um, you must have noticed this at USC, but I taught uh, in the journalism department at SC for 10 years on and off as a um, part-time and adjunct. 
and more and more every year, more and more women were uh, were were being in my class, and I would say at least half uh, when I left, a ha uh, half of them uh, were women. And well, that so that begs the question, going back to what we've been discussing, as to um, that inevitable glass ceiling that so far has prevented a woman candidate from becoming president, although with Hillary Clinton, there was the first woman to be nominated by a major political party. Yes, and if she had, for any number of reasons, uh, which books have been written about. Some of them decent. Some of them decent. Uh, <laughs> if they had, uh, um, you know, if, if, if she had been elected president, we would not be having this discussion. Of course not. Absolutely not. <laughs> for, for many reasons, and it isn't only a debate about sexism. There's also competence involved. There's also the current incumbent and what has happened to the office. But you're right, because that glass ceiling, at least for once, would have been broken. Right. But we're still having the conversation, too, about when will we see the next president of color. We thought we were moving into a post-racist environment, but the diversity of the crowd who was running for president on the Democratic side has wilted completely. You know, I never uh, quite knew what to think about uh, Kamala Harris's candidacy or performance as Attorney General. I mean, how, how do you feel about that? Which? The candidacy? I mean, she had every right to run, and actually she checks two important boxes. She is a woman. She is a person of color. But... Um, she would not have been my choice for very many reasons, uh, including the fact that she had just gotten onto the national scene. Of course, so did Barack right. Obama. That's right. And Mayor Pete was hustling there for a while. He was really moving along, moving right. up. And then there's the current incumbent, again, who has had absolutely no governmental experience. But um, the most important thing I've seen in politics lately is authenticity, or at least the perception of authenticity. Somebody once said that sincerity is the most important thing in politics. If you can fake that, you can fake anything. Right. And she <laughs> didn't quite hit the bullseye on that one, for better or for worse. And I think that's a part of, um, may well have hindered uh, Elizabeth Warren, too. But, you know, uh, uh, they probably were sincere people. Who knows? I mean, I'm not dissing them, but the judgment, right or wrong, is that of the perceiver, is that of the voter, and yeah. of the media. You know, I felt bad, uh, you know, as I think back about some of the candidates that I covered, uh, uh, and um, I was such a know-it-all. And I think you I You never changed, do you, Bill? <laughs> Unfortunately, no, I, I misjudge some of them, uh, you know, uh, and uh, uh, that, that's, that's the trouble with the political writing, history in a hurry, as they The first it. draft of history. Right, which I thought is a, they think it's a compliment, I think it's a condemnation. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. I, uh, I was uh, thinking of another thing everybody's talking about is um, how much trouble it was to vote. Oh, well, see, 
I'm a permanent absentee voter, so I just dropped it in the mailbox. But I will say, at the last minute, and I have friends who were indignant because they voted in the Democratic presidential primary and they voted prior to South Carolina. They did not vote for Biden. They voted for someone who then left the race and they felt very frustrated and very cut out of the dialogue because in their perception, their vote didn't count. Well, you know, I, I uh, in one sense, I feel a little sorry for Logan, the uh, registrar of voters. In, in LA, LA County? LA County. You know, he, he had good intentions. Uh, um, and one of the reasons for the traditionally slow count in California, long count, is because the state law over the years has made voting easier, encouraged more and more people to vote. Like, for example, in California, you can register, isn't it, on election, on election day? On election now. day, uh, it's, which is shows that's, how, that's relatively new. Yeah, but it but, is. But there. there's been other laws that have. Uh, tried to get more and more people voting. Well, when you get more and more people voting, you get more and more votes to count. But so even having said that, though, uh, you've, you've got to say that with all of, uh, of Logan's good intentions, the registrar's good intentions, they didn't prepare for things they should have prepared about, prepared for. They should have, uh, the Secretary of State, um, Alex Padilla, uh, gave them only a conditional approval to go ahead with this system. And he, he listed about five or six serious errors that had to be corrected by election day. And they tried to do that, and, and they overlooked a couple more. But, uh, uh, you know, hopefully uh, in November these bugs will be ironed out. And I think also we have to look at the silver lining in all of this is that part of the slowness, part of... The reason for the length of the lines was people really wanted to vote. They really wanted to have their voices heard. They waited up to seven hours to do so and admitted when they were interviewed that the reason that they waited was they wanted their vote to count. That's pretty positive. It doesn't excuse the fact that it was extremely inconvenient and pretty messed up at times. You really have to admit, something was driving them. Exactly. Let me just put this out. Maybe what was driving them was the President of the United States. You know, um, some uh, someone told me once in politics, if you're running a campaign, if you're running a campaign and you're counting on your opponent screwing up, <laughs> you've got a losing campaign. I say... That may not be true this year. We may have a situation where the Democrats' opponent, President Trump, is screwing up and it may hurt him. Those members of the cult of Trump who revere this president will come out like gangbusters to protect yeah, him. Yeah, they'll be fierce. You bet. Absol absolutely, absolutely fierce. And the other thing that's going to have to happen is whoever loses for the Democratic nomination. Uh-huh. It's going to have to be a good sport about it. Oh, What dear. about being a good sport? I don't think it fits with our current modus operandi. Did politics. it ever fit with politics? Sometimes it Yeah, did. it did. It did, but not now. I mean, you know, remember all the stories about Ronald Reagan as president and Tip O'Neill, the Democrat as, as a Speaker of the House, who went, you know, at each other 
boom, boom, boom during the day, and then the two of them would retire to somebody's office for a drink at five o'clock. You don't do that anymore. With lot no, of no drinks, no, no. You don't have any. You don't have any of that cross activity. Well, None. well, well, we can do that here on this uh, podcast. Uh, let's a, do that. Let's celebrate. Wine. Let's celebrate let's, our first. Let's celebrate podcast. our first podcast with Cheers. a glass of wine. And everyone, I hope you'll come back the please, next time. Please come back. We want you there. We want to thank our producer, Nancy Boyarski. And uh, we, we want to thank you for putting up with us. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.